everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. Today we're continuing our series on Genesis. We're looking at Genesis chapter 3 today, the chapter where everything went wrong and we are looking at what is really wrong with the world and we're thinking about what sin looks like and what it does. So that's all coming up. You might like to have a read of the passage at Genesis chapter 3 before you have a listen to the sermon. And just to let you know that there is more content available on YouTube, we're still working through the Firm Foundations course. And this week we were thinking about the providence of God, how God works everything for our good. That's available on YouTube and the link will be down below if you'd like to have a look at that. And also, if you'd like to support the podcast, there are different ways of doing that. There's a whole page on the website about it. You can uh, pray, especially if you use PrayerMate, and you can also uh, give as well via PayPal um, and uh, other, other means too. So do have a look at the link down below if you appreciate Understand the Bible and would look, like to support it. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoy, and I will see you again soon. So the question a lot of people have is, why is the world not as it should be? We know that there are all sorts of problems in the world. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? You know, you look around and you see wars and you see famines going on, you see natural disasters. And I'm just describing the things which are in the news at the moment, you know, let alone all of the terrible things that have happened throughout history, the genocides, the... Um, corruption and, and all of those sorts of things. And what is the root of the problem? Because it, it seems like everyone's got an answer to that at the moment. You know, some people think, well, what we need is a bit more government. We need a bit more regulation. Um, that's what we need. Other people think, well, what we really need is a problem is to more education. We need to teach children um, better and adults as well. Or some people say, well, we need to sort out our economic problems. You know, the problems really come from inequality because uh, poor people don't have enough and rich people have too much. So we need to sort out those problems. And everyone's got a different idea as to, to the solution of the problems in society. But what the Bible says and what this passage from Genesis chapter 3, more than any other say, is that the root of our problem is what we call sin. That is the, the root of every problem in the world today. That's fundamentally is what the problem is. Now, we don't have time once again to go through this whole passage in, in great detail. There's so much to say about it, and I'd love to go through it. Genesis chapters 1, 2 and 3 is so rich. Um, but what I'm going to do is just draw out uh, three things which we learn about sin uh, from this passage from Genesis 3. So the first thing is that sin lies about God. Sin lies about God. And you can see this in you know, kind of sin in operation through Genesis chapter 3. So it says in there in verse 1, um, the snake said to the woman, did God really say? So that's the first thing that sin does. It, it casts doubt on what God said. And this is uh, textbook sin, if you like. This is, you know, casting doubt on, on the things that God has, on the things that God has actually said to us. You know, did God really say that? Did he? Did he really? And that is doubting God, doubting God's word, doubting his speaking to us. That's one of the uh, 
most fundamental ways that sin works. And I thought it's interesting actually that we are uh, looking at this passage in a week where you may have seen on the news the press conference that the Church of England, the bishops gave, um, basically saying that um, uh, same-sex couples um, can come to the church and have a blessing um, even if some of them are you know sexually active and um, you know they actually said that that's that's clear you know as it were they said that in the press conference and as we were looking at the last couple of weeks you know that's saying really did God really say in in the Bible about um, male and female um, so that's that's what sin does and unfortunately it distorts even those in the church who are meant to be upholding uh, God's word. How else does sin work? Um, it says, uh, the snake sort of continued, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, did God say that? He said, no, no, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's one tree in the garden that he said, you mustn't eat from. He didn't say you mustn't eat from any tree. So already the serpent is encouraging, uh, is encouraging Eve to doubt God's goodness and to make him seem more hard, a kind of taskmaster, a hard taskmaster, than he, he actually is. Um, it casts doubt on God's character. And we see that again there in verse 5. It says, um, God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Again, this suggestion that God is somehow does not have their best interests at heart, that God is only trying to hold them back from what they truly are. He's, he's the one keeping them in slavery, rather than, you know, if they throw off his shackles, they'll be free, and they'll be free to do what is right in their own eyes, and to actually enjoy life as they think. So this is the thing that sin does. It, it, it makes out that God is not good. And it makes out that God does not have our best interests at heart. That somehow he doesn't really want us to enjoy life. That he just wants to keep us locked down and, you know, held back as human beings. That's what sin says. And I think this is one of the fundamental things about sin, that, that so often, I don't know about you, but the way that I often think about sin when I hear the word, is I think of it as being something that we do to other people. You know, that sin is, you know, it's murder, it's stealing, it's um, adultery, you know, it's those things. But I don't tend to think of it as being towards God. And that's something which the Bible just drags us back to again and again, that fundamentally sin is Godward. It's, it breaks that relationship. It's to do with the relationship we have with God first and foremost. That's why idolatry is such a big thing in the Bible. And it's often listed before any of the other sins that we do to other people. That's why the, the Israelites were rebuked by God and sent into exile because of their idolatry. John Stott said in his book, The Cross of Christ, he said, sin is not a regrettable lapse from conventional standards. Its essence is hostility towards God. And that quote's always stuck with me, 
thinking that sin is, its essence is hostility to God. That's what happens when we sin. It starts with a broken relationship with God. And that's when the problems really begin. So what effects does this have on, on uh, Adam and Eve? Well, it says there in verse, uh, verse 6, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food um, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So it says the woman saw that it was good. Now, if you just think back to chapter 1, who saw that things were good in chapter 1? God did. And what's happening here is that the woman is seeing that things are good for herself. Not according to what God says is good, but according to what she believes to be good without God. And that's what's happened. Um, if you believe that God does not have our good at heart, then we will start to say, well, I'm just going to decide for myself what's good for me. Thank you very much, God. And that's exactly what happens. And what then, then happens is that they, um, she takes some of the fruit, she gives it to, to Adam as well. And it says, <clears throat> um, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Uh, but it's not a good thing as they realise they're naked and they, they sew fig leaves together uh, and so on. So they, they realise the potential there for, for evil. I think that's what's happening, that their eyes are opened. But what they realise is, actually, they, they realise there's the potential for evil. Whereas before, they'd only just done what was good, kind of by instinct, by nature. And um, it's ironic, isn't it, that the serpent was sort of right. It says, um, uh, he says in verse 5, when you, uh, when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. But it's a trick. Now, having their eyes opened, it was true, but it wasn't what they really wanted. Actually, they were tricked into it. And again, you think about how sin works. So often you think, oh, I'll just be happy if I do this. At our um, Alpha session on Sunday night, we were talking about, you know, dieting and like, having a Mars bar in the cupboard or something. And, you know, you think in your mind, oh, if I just have that Mars bar, I'll be happy, you know. And you have it and it gives you a little sugar rush for a moment. And then you feel terrible because you've just had a, you know, you... And that's, that's how sin works, isn't it? You know, you think it will make you happy, but then actually you feel terrible. And that's what Adam and Eve found out. And so it says there in verse 8, they, um, they heard um, the sound of the Lord as he was walking and they hid from him among the trees. So they hid from God. And it's interesting, they hide among the trees, whereas the trees are supposed to be, you know, for fruit and for pleasing uh, to us, you know, sort of beautiful. But they hide among the trees. So it shows that their relationship with God is broken. That's what happened. Because they believed a lie about God, the relationship with God was then broken. That's the fundamental effect that, that sin has. And so how does God uh, respond to this? This is where we come to the, the curses upon sin. And we um, saw this in the, he curses the, the snake and the woman and the man uh, separately. He says to the woman, uh, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe. And as um, Doreen pointed out just as she was reading, I mean, I, I have never personally given birth, um, but I, 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 
I understand that it is, a, it is not a very pleasant experience. <laughs> and, um, and, and although you do get a baby at the end, it is it's quite painful. So um, that's where it comes from. It's a, it's a, it's a, a disruption to... Um, if you think about, you know, what it is to be, to be a woman, you know, bearing a child is one of the most fundamental distinctive things about being a woman, isn't it? And it's a, it's a disruption to, the, to, the, to that. Um, and also it says, your desire will be for your husband and he will roll, uh, rule over you. This is a slightly difficult phrase to translate, but I think it, what, what it's really getting at is that even in that most intimate relationship, uh, we talked about marriage um, last, last week, but even in that most intimate relationship, there will be disruption there that um, you know, both the, the woman and the man will, will not get on. And there'll be disruption there that women will, uh, you know, want the wrong things and men will want the wrong things and it will just, it will be completely topsy-turvy. And that's another effect of the fall. And, and we see a lot of that at the moment, don't we, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then he curses um, the, the man and the, and the ground. And uh, he says, um, curse is the ground because of you. This is verse 17. Um, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. So even the natural world is cursed. You know, the ground, those of you who are gardeners, you know that it's, gardening can be a frustrating experience. You have to keep picking up weeds, don't you? You have to keep hoiking them out. Um, that's, again, a result of, of the fall. And uh, our work, it says, um, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. So work is to be something which is not a, a joy, which is supposed to be. Um, I was talking to someone the other day who um, is um, doing a, a talk on, on Genesis chapter 3, and she said, um, I, I always thought that work was a result of the fall, but actually it's not. It's a, it's a, it was a good thing. What the fall does, it just corrupts it, and it makes it frustrating, and it makes it, um, you know, hard. And that's the thing with work, isn't it? You know, that uh, work is even the best job in the world. What you really love doing is hard and, is, and has its frustrations. And that is why, because of the fall. And ultimately, he says, uh, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So he says there that the consequence that God proclaimed, which is death, will be the result of our, of our lives. We were taken from dust and we will return to dust. That's what God says. So everything in the natural world, everything in our lives is affected and, and corrupted by sin. That's what, what happens and, and that's, that's why the world is as it is. That's why the world appears to be broken, because it is. It's, it's not as it should be. And that's because it is under the curse of God. It's under the curse of sin. But even in this passage, we do get a little bit of good news. Uh, in verse 15, uh, when God curses the snake, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He will crush your head. So even there, 
God is promising that an offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, of Satan. And of course, we know who the identity is now, looking back on this, we know who the identity is of that serpent crusher. But as uh, Paul says, he says at the end of, end of Romans, chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And that is through Jesus Christ, isn't it? He is the serpent crusher. And that's one bit of good news there from Genesis chapter 3. Another good, uh, bit of good news there from Genesis chapter 3 was that the, the Lord God, it says in verse 21, made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So God, even though he was expelling them from the Garden of Eden, still clothed them. He clothed them. And we also read about being clothed in the New Testament, about God clothing us. So, for example, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it says, All of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So God clothes us with the righteousness of Christ. So I think this here, even in Genesis chapter 3, which is the perhaps the darkest moment in, in human history, or the second darkest moment in human history after the cross, is the moment actually when we see God's grace in action. We see that he would provide one to crush the, the head of the serpent, and he clothed them as well, as a symbol of how he, we would one day be clothed with Christ's righteousness. So God's grace is, is at work and displayed even in this passage. So what do we take away from this passage? I know that there's a huge amount to think about and a, there's so much that you could say, but let me just pick out a few things. Solzhenitsyn, who was a, a philosopher and a thinker from, a writer from um, uh, the USSR uh, back in those days in the 20th century, he witnessed the, uh, the Russian Revolution and everything and, and he was critical of the regime and so he had to, to leave and he went to America in the end, I think in the, uh, the 1960s. But he gave a speech um, and he quoted someone saying, now why did all this happen? And he, he quoted, men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. And I thought, I mean, that's such a wonderful um, quote, but I think it's so applicable to so many things in our world today, isn't it? You know, and, and you think, if someone asks you, well, why is the world in the state it's in? You know the answer. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. That's the root problem, isn't it? That we forget God. And then everything else follows. So we must remember that sin is primarily between man and God and breaking of that relationship. And the things that we do to one another follow on after that. But when that relationship with God is broken, that's when everything else falls apart. So how do we work against that? I think we must remember to, uh, firstly, to, uh, to pray and to treat God as a good father. And as Jesus said, you know, um, call God our father in heaven. And he taught us to call God as our father, to call him good. You know, what does a good father do? You know, he provides for his children. He knows how to give good gifts 
to his children. Now that's, that's something that we need to learn uh, to do and to grow in learning to do as well. To treat God as our good father in heaven and to bring our requests to him, to bring our problems to him, everything, and entrust them to him. Just in the book I've been um, reading, um, I read this last night and um, it struck me that this was quite relevant. This often happens in sermons, you know, just reading something and it will strike you. This is what John Calvin said, the famous uh, theologian from the Reformation. Until men recognise that they owe everything to God, that they are nourished by his fatherly care, that he is author of their every good, that they should seek nothing beyond him, they will never yield him willing service. Nay, unless they establish their complete happiness in him, they will never give themselves truly and sincerely to him. That's the thing, we must see God and grow in seeing him as a loving and good and gracious Heavenly Father and learn to trust him in that way. We must learn to trust and obey God and his word. That's how sin works, isn't it? It casts doubt on God's word. So we must learn to read and to trust and obey God's word, read it day by day, and understand what God is saying to us. And we must remember that all of this comes only through Jesus. It's only through him at the end of the day that we receive the blessings of, of God's grace, as we were thinking about. It is through Christ Jesus that we receive the blessing of God's grace. And these things, the curses that God mentions, start to be undone through Jesus. And so we must seek him. So I hope that that's enough to be, to be going on with um, for the moment. But we will continue on through Genesis, seeing what sin does and seeing what God does about it. So let's take a moment to pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are a good and gracious, uh, our good and gracious Father in heaven. And we pray that you would help us uh, to be um, not like Adam and Eve and to believe a lie about you, but to trust you and grow in our relationship with you day by day, uh, to read your word and to be um, knowing that your grace comes through Jesus Christ. So we pray that you would help us to um, come to you every day and grow in, in knowing you and loving you more and more and that uh, other people in our um, in our town, in our country, and, and people we know and love would come to know you as their good and gracious Heavenly Father as well and find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen.